0: it's good to have you here with us today at church as we continue our series the story going through the Bible uh, over 31 weeks from Genesis to Revelation but you know one thing that we haven't really touched on so far in this story is the fact that God's story isn't finished yet you know God's story didn't end With the last page of the Bible God's story continues still you know God could have chosen to end it there he could have gone yep that's enough but he didn't and that's important because it means that you have a role to play in his story did you hear that you you have a role that's right you have a role to play in God's story We might be telling God's story from Genesis to Revelation, dipping in and out of different characters throughout the time. We certainly can't do any of them justice in the time that we have as we're racing through the scriptures. But it didn't end there. It continues with you. And God has chosen you to be a character in his unfolding cosmic drama. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, He chose to tell, to continue telling his story through us. And our prayer for, my prayer for each one of you is that you find your place in his story. So we're up to chapter 12. So we're over a third of the way through already. And we've been tracking with the nation of Israel, which has started to really only come together as a, as a nation under their second king, David, who we're introduced to last week. Now, he's a favourite biblical character of many people. He's one of my favourite biblical characters. Um, He was a a poet, a a musician, but he was also a warrior and a leader. He was a heart-playing, giant-slaying man who was said to be a man after God's own heart. Now, if you were a Jebusite, Moabite or Ammonite, king david pretty much was your kryptonite he had done something that no one had done before him he expanded the size and the wealth of israel he brought the israelite tribes together he conquered jerusalem and brought the ark of the covenant there and finally god's people god's nation had a place to call home remember back in chapter 2 when we explored God's promise to Abraham? Well, the Israelites remembered that promise and so did God. David was king of that hill, literally. The city of David, as it was called, sat on a sloping hill and David, he was riding high. You would have... um, you, you, I mean, if you heard words like these from 2 Samuel 7 verse 11, you'd be writing pretty high too. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself would establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom." He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Now this is often referred to as the Davidic covenant, the covenant that God made with David. Just as God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham, he makes yet another promise to David that a Messiah would come and establish a kingdom that would last forever forever. David knew the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And after all, like a single stone, felling a giant, he had seen pride take down his predecessor in Paul, hey, um, in Saul. Sorry, and uh, and David was riding high, as they say, what goes up must come down. That's right. What goes up must come down. He. Uh, where are we going okay there you go um so if you've got your bibles open with you then come along with me to second samuel chapter 11 so open those up second samuel chapter 11 verse 1 we're going to have a look at this guy david what goes up i guess must come down but first let me pray dear lord jesus we are thankful for your word and we're thankful for these stories that you've given us in, uh, in the scriptures. Sometimes they are for encouragement and instruction. Um, sometimes they're cautionary tales to warn us. And Lord, they all reveal your heart for your people. And your heart for us from generation to generation. So Lord, this morning as we come under your word, Lord, we ask that you speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Something's not right. David is not where he is supposed to be. David is supposed to be out, like all the kings did at that time of year, at war. Now, well, I'm not making a judgment call on whether it was right or wrong that that was what was done. (laughs) That every year kings went out to war. Um, But what I'm saying is he's not where he's supposed to be. He's not in battle. He's not out the front leading his army. He's supposed to be taking charge and defending his people and fighting for them. But instead, we find David back in the palace. Verse 4, verses 2 to 4, sorry. One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Do you notice how many times we see David send? He sends someone to find out about her. He sends messages to get her. She goes back home and now she has a message of his own. Verse 5, The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. David's in, in trouble here, isn't he? Bathsheba is not his wife. She is the granddaughter of one of David's most trusted advisors and the wife of one of his best soldiers. This is deep betrayal. Not only was David not where he was supposed to be, but he was also looking where his eyes should not have been looking and sending messages to someone he shouldn't have been sending messages to and doing things he should not have been doing. Do you ever find yourself wondering, how in the world did I get here? I uh, recently heard a story of this comedian who was sent on a job, basically. I don't know. Her booking agent had booked her a gig, and so she rocked up to this gig, and it was a scout hall. And it was a scout hall full of 10 year old scouts. Now, let's just say her material, her normal material, was not 10 year old scout friendly material. And so she had this whole like, World explosion! What on earth am I going to do? What on earth am I doing here? And so, what's one of the things you'd normally do as a comedian? She'd ask people, you know, what What's your name? And what do you do for a living? Well, there goes that with a bunch of ten-year-olds. She ended up asking who, what their names were, and what their parents did. Well, that got boring really quickly, and so within about twenty minutes, she just started playing table tennis with the kids, and that's what she did. She learnt to ask more questions of her booking agent before she said yes to any further gigs. But she was in that moment going, what on earth am I doing here? Do you ever find yourself wondering, how on in the world did I get here? Maybe you found yourself wondering that question about your relationship with God. How did I get so far from God? Am I too far gone? Does God care? Is he willing and able to reach down into the mess that I've made? And if you've ever asked any of those questions, maybe you've asked this one as well. Once I've blown it, is there a way back for me? It's been my experience that most people will choose one of two paths when they find themselves at those crossroads. They will either conceal their sin or they will confess it. Let's take a look at the path that David chose. Unfortunately, David is not done sending yet. He sends for Uriah. David tries to conceal his sin... By getting Uriah to go home and be with his wife then no one would know right plausible deniability his plan fails not once but twice you see Uriah goes back and sleeps on a mat outside with the knowing that the soldiers that he was supposed to be with weren't going to be at home with their wives So he was a man of great integrity, knowing his responsibilities, knowing where he should have been. He should have been out with the soldiers, not at home with his wife. And so he honoured his fellow soldiers and he slept on a mat and not with his wife. He shows us something that we did not see in that moment from David, that he's a man of great integrity. His behaviour demonstrates us just how far apart his actions are with the actions of King David. But surely David's done sending, right? No. No, in in a moment of desperation to conceal his sin, he sends a decree to Joab, which sends Uriah to the front lines and ultimately sends him to his death. Chapter 11 of 2 Samuel ends like this. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. See, God had had grown tired of David's sending, so he did some sending of his own. No, it wasn't a lightning bolt from heaven, although that probably would have been fairly appropriate. Uh, He sent the prophet and trusted friend Nathan to David. Nathan tells a story about a rich man who had many, many sheep and goats and cattle. This rich man throws a party and he goes and gets the only possession of a poor man, this only sheep that he had, and slaughters that for him to have this party. And David's response to this story is that he is rightfully outraged. He wants the rich man's head on a platter. He was rightfully outraged by this story. To which Nathan responds, you are the man. Exhausted from almost a year of trying to conceal his sin, David's heart breaks. Later in Psalm 32, David would say, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And maybe that's you maybe you're carrying something that you've decided to conceal and you can almost feel it in your body you've tried that door but the pathway never seems to deliver what it promises the price seems small at the beginning but the compounding interest always seems to break the bank remember god's promise to david remember god god doesn't break promises David gets a second chance to choose a different door and the good news is that he took it and it took him back to the heart of God. Are you looking for a door like that? Well, here it is. David ultimately chose confession. Psalm 51, this psalm is the fourth of seven called penitential psalms. And that means that their focus on repentance and confession. If you need a way back to God, here it is Psalm 51, and we're starting with verses 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David repents and confesses his sin and God grants forgiveness. Now, don't ex- Um, Don't confuse David's escaping God's wrath with escaping the earthly consequences of his sin. As you read the rest of 2 Samuel, you know that David would endure severe consequences for his sin. David would bear many scars throughout the remainder of his life. But the beauty is in this. God would sustain him through it all. The loss of children, family crumbling. God would never let go of David. He would stop hiding his sin, and instead, he found his hiding place in God. He would write, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. And would you like to have that sort of relationship with God? Did you know you can? All you have to do is follow David's example. In Psalm 32, 5, he says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Isn't that such a hope-filled sentence right there? You forgave the guilt of my sin. You know, the thing I love most about David is that through it all, he never lost his, his hallelujah. He, he never lost that pathway back to God through worship. You know, maybe you've wondered over the last couple of weeks, well, King Saul sins and he loses his throne. King David sins, but's a man after God's own heart? why the difference because ultimately they've done the same thing they've sinned against the lord what is different well saul chose concealment and david chose confession the proverb is lived out proverb twenty-eight thirteen. whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy and Saul's story ends with brokenness. But the story of David ends as David brings a broken hallelujah. He not only confesses his sins, he confesses God's power to overcome his sin. You know, this is an important part of confession. God's strength is strongest. When you are at your weakest, David covered up his sin, but he knew there was only one who would cover his sin. And so, in his brokenness, David would write in Psalm 51 My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. Did you catch that? David doesn't offer another victory in battle or try to earn his way back into God's graces. In fact, this man, after God's own heart, offers the exact opposite. He offers brokenness in worship. Leonard Cohen passed away in 2016 and he penned a song, Hallelujah. The word hallelujah means God be praised. And most of you have probably seen the movie Shrek and that means you've heard his song hallelujah. It's amazing how even God's scriptures from thousands of years ago even come into popular culture today. There's even been recent versions of this song um, done with Christmas and Easter versions. You may have seen those on YouTube. But here are some of the, the lyrics of that song. I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor four, the major lift, the baffled king composed Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You probably know the tune, Hallelujah, hallelujah. There you go. Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty and the moonlight overthrew you. These are the words of this song. I did my best. It wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. I've told the truth. I didn't come to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue. But... Hallelujah. Now maybe a broken hallelujah is all you've got to offer today. God's message to you is that's all you need. We're not much different than David, are we? We may not be the king of a nation, but the desire is strong for us to build and rule our own kingdom. And I think the reason that David is such a popular figure from the Bible is because he's so relatable. Not the being king bit, uh, but the failure and redemption bit. Is not that the story of our lives every day? I don't know about you, but I regularly feel those pangs of failure. I regularly feel like I've let myself down and let God down by the sin that so easily ensnares. The Apostle Paul wrote about it too in Romans 17, verse 15. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as it it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Lots of wanting to do's here. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, But it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, just like David, Paul also suffered with sin. And just like David and Paul, we too suffer in our sin. How many times? Do you, like me, do the things we don't want to do, yet we know what we want to do, but we fail to do it? What sets us apart from meeting the end that Saul met is humbling ourselves before God, confessing our sin and our need for a saviour. You know the price tag on concealment is deceivingly higher than that of confession. But even the price of confession does not compare to the price Jesus paid so you could find your way back to the heart of God. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, David found his way back to God through repentance, confession and praise. And you can too so maybe it's time to start some healthy habits and put them in place in your daily walk with the Lord to humble yourself before him you Now, one way you can do this practically is to pray with specific goals in your prayers and a guide that might help you in that is acts something I do regularly and I'd encourage you to do that. Act stands for, the A is adoration. Express your praise and worship of God and your adoration of Him. C is for confession. Confess your sins before the Lord. Repenting of them and asking for His forgiveness. T is thanksgiving. Thank the Lord for His goodness and mercy. For his deliverance of you through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, gratitude is the best attitude. It's one of the wonderful things we do is, is thank God. And then supplication. That's a fancy word for ask. Ask God for things that he has told us to ask for. Ask for our needs to be met. Ask for his will to be done. Ask for healing Ask for deliverance. He says, cast our cares and burdens upon him and he'll give us rest. Ask for his peace, his guidance and his provision. It's a simple way to daily humble ourselves before the Lord and keep our hearts in check. Keep our hearts after God's. And if you're feeling far from God, know that he is never far from you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You cannot out-sin the grace of God. Turn to him and you will find him. If David can find grace and forgiveness from God for adultery and murder, then your story isn't over yet either. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, what a wretch am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death well the answer is you thanks be to god who delivers me through jesus christ our lord lord i pray that in those moments where we do what we do not want to do and that law of sin is working in our flesh lord i pray that we would instead be able to overcome those moments by working in the spirit and honoring you in our actions and thoughts and deeds, and Lord, I pray that we would take on board this daily humbling of ourselves before You. That we would would pray to You, and that we would um, express our adoration of You. That we would confess our sin before You and ask and seek for Your forgiveness. That we would express our thanksgiving for the amazing blessings that you have brought upon us and that, Lord, we would ask for all the things that you have told us to ask for and that, Lord, we would cry out to you in those moments where we have those hurts and needs and and that they need to be met. Lord, may those moments that are the hardest be the ones where we cling to you the strongest. So Lord I pray that you'd be with us and you'd encourage us and you'd go with us and we thank you again that Lord you are the great God who is worthy to be praised. We thank you for the hope that you have given to us that hope that does not stop at our salvation but continues every moment of our life. May we continue to be encouraged and excited by the hope that we have in you and may we continue to give you God all the glory. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to conclude our service with a, a a new song. It is Good and Gracious King. So if uh, Graham and Pauline you'd like to lead us